It's me, Dave, your friendly neighborhood YouTube host. And according to the red light that I see a little up and to the right of me, I am live on the YouTube. It's true, people. I have been off the grid without news, without information, without current events, without technology for 32 days. That is right. I got a bonus day. There were 31 days in August, but I got a bonus day because uh, we started this on a Saturday after I left in a blaze of glory on a Friday, as you all may remember. Let's just recap some stuff for you. Uh, in about 10 minutes from now, I'm bringing in Adam Carolla, who is going to get me caught up on everything. I have literally no idea what's going on in the world. I don't know what's going on on the COVID front. I don't know if Joe Biden is still president. I don't know anything. It was actually quite easy to stay off the grid this year, and I'll, I'll sort of let you know why in a minute. And then just in these first 10 minutes, I want to frame a little bit of, about how I'm going to go ahead doing this show and, and doing everything that I do going forward, because I've had a month to think about it and think about how I want to continue doing some things, change some things, some new thoughts that I had over the course of the month, et cetera, et cetera. But just to quickly recap. I left in a complete blaze of glory because you may remember the day before I left the grid, I was banned by Twitter for misinformation about COVID because I said something about how eventually they're going to want um, COVID mandates, you know, vaccine mandates, and that obviously the vaccines aren't working the way they were promised. I was banned temporarily on Twitter for misinformation, but I fought back and I got a bunch of people to fight back on my behalf. And basically the last thing that happened to me before I went off the grid for the next month was that Twitter actually reversed their decision and sent me an email saying it was an error. So not only did that happen the day that I left the grid, the last day of July, uh, but I also uh, released the pre-sale for my new book, Don't Burn This Country. It hit number one on Amazon movers and shakers. So I was feeling great. I was just like, whoa, if you're ever going to leave, like this is the way to do it. Beat Twitter. You know, like have Twitter say that you're a liar and then get them to retract it and then, you know, get your book out there and, and hit number one on the Amazon charts. I was feeling real good. OK. And then what did we do? Well, the next day, uh, David and I hopped on a plane and we went to the rainforest in Mexico and were there for two weeks. And all we did was eat fish, a lot of ceviche, a lot of fajitas, a significant amount of tequila and rest on the beach, hang out in the rainforest with the animals, uh, watch the storms at night, just completely decompress. So before I get to any of the, the specifics on, on how I'm going to do the show going forward and some of the new thoughts I have, I just want to quickly, and I did a little Locals live stream earlier uh, for our members over there, I just want to say to you guys, to anyone watching this right now, to anyone that supports me in any way, that clicks these videos, you click like, you click share, whatever, if I'm, if I'm part of your life in any little way, whatever, however insignificant or significant it is, uh, I am beyond full of thanks right now. Like, I really, really just had the best month of my life. And I don't know that anyone on this planet Earth had a better month than I did. Like we ate right. We listened to great music. I exercised every day. I, I'm truly right now, I'm probably in the best shape I've been in about 15 years. 
Uh, but I mean that not only physically, but mentally. I mean it spiritually as well. I just feel good. I feel ready to fight. I don't know what I've missed. I suspect that when I bring on Kroll in a few minutes, he's not going to have the long list of great things that happen. That's not really the way the news works anymore. Like, oh, yes, we did actually stop critical race theory. And, oh, yes, social justice is done. And, oh, the neo-racism that they're pushing on everyone and the destruction of all of our institutions. It's all been reversed. Everything's okay. Like, I, I know that's not coming, right? God only knows what COVID, but I don't even think with COVID, it's not like they're gonna, he's going to suddenly say it's wrapped up. And I know a little bit about that because in the two weeks that I've been back here in L.A., it's like everyone's masked up again. So I can't imagine anything good is happening on that front, whether that's the reality of what's going on with COVID or just the media version of it or whatever people want to believe or any of that stuff. Um, but I really just had an absolutely incredible month. And I just genuinely thank you guys for that. And I have to say that, you know, when I was away uh, the first two weeks and we were in Mexico, you know, there were a lot of fans that were at the uh, the resort and people would come up, say hi to me, and everyone was respectful and everyone knows I'm off the grid. So no one, you know, tried to talk politics with me or anything like that. A couple people would be like, come on, Dave, you, you know, you've got your phone, you've got your phone. I'd pull out my pockets. I've done this every year. No, I got, I got nothing with me. Um, and people were great. And people always say the same thing. I said this on the locals live stream earlier. They always now say the same thing to me, which is Dave, you keep me sane. And it's like, that's a really interesting thing for people to say to somebody. Like, if you go up to a comedian, oh, you're the funniest guy in the world. Or you go up to, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson, and you go, oh, you, you helped me turn my life around. You go up to somebody that's influenced you in some way, an actor that you love. Oh, I love your movies. But, like, for people to come up to you and consistently say, you helped me stay sane, something to that effect, um, it's really, I don't even know how to describe what that's like in a way, because in some ways you've helped me stay sane too, right? Like when I do this show, in some ways, this is a mirror. Like I put some stuff back, I put some stuff out there and then it sort of bounces off you guys and then comes back to me. And then, and then I do it again tomorrow and I try to figure out, you know, what's the best way to have people not go crazy. I don't want people to go crazy. I just had this great month. And I, that's really what I want to sort of incorporate in going forward. So I have, I have six quick things that I, that I want to talk about. And then I, then I promise we're bringing in Corolla. He'll get me caught up on everything. But I had six sort of thoughts over the last month that I thought were worth addressing right now before I know any of the news, just things that I've been thinking about. So, so first off, I just want to say something on the, on the COVID front. Now, again, I suspect things are probably not going great right now because I'm seeing masks everywhere, even when people are walking dogs again. Um, but on the COVID front in a broad sense, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that no state failed. Did any state in the United States fail or did any country fail? Did, is India still a country? Did a little village in Chad somewhere in Africa fail because of COVID? Has any hospital anywhere failed? Now, I'm not saying COVID's not real and all of that stuff, but when you step away from the day-to-day minutia about masks and mandates and lockdowns and everything else, like, were there any discussions in the last month about health? I ate really well in this last month. I worked out every single day for the two weeks that we were in the rainforest. We did the sauna, the steam room, and a cold plunge pool every day for about an hour. Um, I feel like a million bucks right now. I suspect I probably have a little bit of a better immunity, natural immunity in my system right now as a healthy person than I did before I went off. Was there any discussion on CNN, on MSNBC, any of these places about just taking care of yourself and health and natural immunity? And if not, why not? 
And how is it that no hospital, like I'm going to just make a guess here, an educated guess, no hospital in the United States has failed yet, not one failure, like not to say there aren't stresses, but like there's something about the narrative that just ain't right. I don't know all the answers to all of that, those questions, why these things are. But that was one of the questions I was thinking about directly related to COVID. Uh, The other thing that I was thinking a lot about, and I think over the next however many months and years that I continue to do this show, you guys will help me figure this out, is what do we do about the liars? You know, one of the things that I always talk about on the show is that we are just in this endless assault on truth, that we just get lied to over and over again, whether it's that this election bill is racist or that Brett Kavanaugh's a uh, serial rapist or the litany of things that they're always, you know, half the country is white supremacist, whatever it is. It's like we have to figure out what do we do about the liars. And I don't know that just countering the lies is enough. This is something I talk a lot about. And, and the reason I was thinking about it particularly in, in the midst of this month is, although I was not on my phone doing a lot of things, when I was doing cardio, I was sometimes watching YouTube and I usually watch old sports games, but sometimes ads would pop up. And because we're in the midst of this recall here in California, which I think is going well, if I'm not mistaken, and I have a little evidence on that, um, there are all of these ads on the YouTube videos that are filled with lies about Larry Elder. That's how I know that the recall is going well because they're now attacking Larry Elder. They're all funded, by the way, by this guy, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix. And it's like, you just are willing to lie, basically imply that Larry Elder is some far-right nutbag and a white supremacist and everything else. And it was just making me think, well, it's not that they just lie to us about COVID and all these things, but they're lying. Yes, Larry Elder is a white supremacist. Like, what are we going to do about the liars? That was something that I thought a lot about. Um, And that sort of brought me to the third thing, which is that because I talk about this war on truth a lot, what I've realized is we're really in a digital war. Ver- it's basically the digital world versus the real world. And that is sort of the war that we're facing right now. The way misinformation can spread digitally and how that now affects real world things so that you know you can spread some misinformation or some whatever you want to call it, about COVID. Next thing you know, you're shutting down real businesses and you're locking people at home, which then forces them to spend more of their time online. And we have less interactions face-to-face and we do everything with masks. Like COVID and masks really had nothing to do with my life over the last month. I, I had a great month. I spoke to real people. Actually, when we were at this resort, the guests did not have to wear masks, but the staff did. And I made sure to say to every single staff member every single day that if you want to take your mask down when you're talking to me, that that's just fine with me. And they wouldn't do it, right? Because they don't, they want to keep their job. And there were cameras around. One guy, one guy actually did. But at the end, we had these two people that were sort of working with us, um, most of the time. And I got them to just quickly do it just to, just to smile. But think about that. I, you know, we had two people that were in effect, they were like our butlers, you know, so you could just call them to, if you wanted to get something. And it was like, I didn't see these people for two weeks, their faces. I got them to smile at the end. And that is leading to, I would say a digital world versus real world war. And we're going to have to figure that out. Like the digital stuff is now leaking into absolutely everything. And then they lock you down they keep you home. They keep you addicted to these things. They can manipulate the algorithm so they can make you think all sorts of things. And guess what, guys, when you when you let it go for a month, it seems pretty clear, which sort of leads me to the next thing, which is also COVID related, which is that COVID at this point, And again, no matter what I'm about to hear 
from Adam and whatever has happened this month, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist. And actually, I know somebody that got COVID last week and they were sick for three days and then, and then they were better. Um, and by the way, I was at a family wedding in Jersey a few days ago, and it was great to see actual people. And some people wore masks and some people didn't. I didn't. Some people did. It's okay. Everyone made the decisions. I don't think it was going to be a super spreader event. Not, as far as I know, nobody died. Um, but COVID is also not just a virus anymore in the traditional sense of virus, but I would also say it's a virus in the system for whenever things get too hot. I thought a lot about this. You know, for the last couple of years, we've been told that half of us are racists, half of us are white supremacists. All of that nonsense. And it started not to work anymore. It was really, it was becoming a meme. It was becoming thin. It, it just wasn't working. Like, you can't, it's just not true. And it wasn't working the way that they, that it did work for a long time. Like, it was, it, we were able to laugh at it. You know, the New York Times would call me a white supremacist, and then it was like a joke more than anything else. Um, but now COVID is that new thing that's in the system where whenever it gets too hot, whatever, whatever it is, it's like they could be like, all right, we got the Delta variant. We got the Gamma variant. Now we got to lock you down again. We got to shut down your business again. So it's never really going away. I mean, I think that's what I've come to. Now, if, if I'm completely off on this, I suppose it's possible. Maybe I'm completely off. I'm going to talk to Adam in two minutes and he's going to tell me COVID is over. Um, but I, I suspect I am not wrong on that. And I think I have... Uh, you know, just one or two more things for you. Um, this, is a, this is an idea that I thought a lot about um, before I went off the grid, and it's something that I've been talking about for about a year, but it really seems now obvious to me. The old world isn't coming back, and I think we really have to accept that. Like, the old world, that world of, say, uh, January 2020, right before COVID, um, which was pretty good, um, it ain't coming back like the whole thing has changed. And look how quickly the entire world changed. Does your life, does the way you look at the world, does it all feel way different than it did then? Um, do things seem better or worse? Is your life better or worse? Are you personally better or worse? Are your relationships better or worse? Like all of these things, it's, it's just not coming back. And I think it's important for us to figure out which pieces of that old world we want to take with us to the new world because the new world's coming whether we like it or not. And I think we really have to figure that out. And that brings me to the last uh, thing that I was thinking about. And then I'll just say one other thing personally and then bring on Adam which is that I think probably, and I see no way around this at this point, we kind of are in a cold civil war at this point, ideologically. Like, there are a set of people that want to burn it down that have said that they don't want to negotiate, like, that this is the way the world is, and America is evil, and Western values are evil, capitalism, all of these things. And then there's these other people who just want to kind of live and let live and understand that the human experience is filled with inconsistencies and, and a constant battle to better ourselves, but that there's nothing really perfect. Those things kind of can't exist together, right? Like if one set of people is saying, oh, you know, let's see what we can do and fix on the margins and expand freedoms and things are kind of messy and we can agree to disagree. But then this other sort of cult-like ideology is like, no, it's our way or the highway or our way or we're going to destroy your cities or our, our way or we're going to take all your stuff. It's like that doesn't really work. And, you know, the idea that you'd have liberals versus conservatives, people who want to change things on the margins versus just people who want things to stay the same. It's like, all right, that can kind of that tension is good. And sometimes it leans this way and sometimes lean this way. 
Um, but now we're into something else. And because, of, because I've come to that belief, I really want to focus on building things. That's what I've done with locals. I want to find more of you that are building your own businesses, that are building new institutions, and I want to help you however I can. And that's really where a lot of my energy is. So last thing before I bring in Corolla, uh, look, I did not have this thing on me basically for the month. I had to take a couple phone calls and my, my mom's dog died. Charlie, little shout out to Charlie. Like I did hear a couple things related to that. Um, but you know, I was not in the constant war. I was not in this endless doom scrolling of Twitter and what did these people say? And even like, I really didn't think about AOC for a month, which truly is a joy. Um, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I, I just enjoyed myself. Most days, at the end of the day, David and I, we got a big green egg. We smoked an incredible amount of briskets and tri-tips and tomahawks, and we ate great. Just everything we ate was great and took care of ourselves. And most nights when my head hit the pillow, I would say to him, you know, you know I had a great day today. What a great day it was today. And, and that is the, I believe that all of us can have that. Maybe you can't have it for a month so consistently, and I thank all of you guys for letting me uh, do this crazy thing that I've now done for five years. Um, but that's the feeling that I wanna go forward. Like, how do we balance being engaged people, being part of this new digital world that is here, whether we like it or not, versus, or I should say, while at the same time, being happy being real people in a real world with people and, and dealing with that tension. So that being said, I'm, I'm here, I'm open. I am now gonna hear from Adam Carolla, who's gonna get me caught up to speed on the world, assuming it still exists. And uh, let's see what I missed. I guess I'm a little, it's not nervous, I'm, but I'm a little trepidatious. Let's say, Carolla, are you there? I am. Corolla, that was my little Dave Rubin oration to begin this thing. I'm feeling pretty good about life. You know I make a good steak normally, but I ate well. I listened to music. I worked out. I'm feeling good, man. I, I sense you might wreck the whole thing here. Yeah, well, I'm with you on your philosophy, and I do um, tell people all the time. Now, you just held your phone up to show the audience. I couldn't hold my phone up because I don't have my phone in the studio. So for little tips for, for sanity is I never bring my phone in my studio because I'm just, I, I, there's nothing I can do with it while I'm in here. It's just a distraction. And you know, the rule is, um, I'm in the studio hours a day and there's never a phone in here. So it's all going to have to wait. And if you sort of make some of those rules for yourself, it's, it's a better life. I'm All telling right. you, man, just yes. just not having my phone in the morning. You know, I try not to bring the phone in the bedroom even normally when, when I'm not off the grid. But just knowing that I'm waking up, I don't know what time it is, and I'm not going to just see what someone said about me on Twitter as the first thing in the morning, and it's not going to be the thing I end with. Like, just that alone is, is a game yeah, changer. Yeah, to, to answer your question, which is, you know, why isn't the media talking about diet and exercise and uh, you know, body mass index and, you know, obesity and all these things, which is interesting that, you know, other than age, the second most important part of not being killed by COVID is obesity and that they've never, they never bring up age or obesity, nope. by the way. So obviously what it is with diet, exercise, supplements, and the things you've been speaking about in, and therapeutics, which they just poo poo, 
if they talked about diet and exercise, that would give you control, meaning exactly. your control exactly. in control over what you put in your mouth. You're controlled over how long you run on the treadmill, if at all. That gives you control. They don't want to give you any control. They want all the control. So anything that has to do with you and your own control, being the captain of your own ship, they never talk about, and they don't want to relinquish a second of it to you. So are you saying I'm right that not one hospital failed while I was gone and no country failed, a little village somewhere in Africa that maybe doesn't have the protections that we have here in Los Angeles? None of that happened? I, I, I'm right? Well, every time I turn on CNN, they're always talking about the ICUs bursting at the seams, but they never break. You know what I mean? They just, they're somehow about to burst, but they never burst. And if you talk to Dr. Drew about it, when they give you a lot of those, our, you know, our hospitals are filled to capacity. They're always talking about the county hospitals. There's hundreds of private hospitals and those aren't filled to capacity. So they leave that part out. So essentially saying, you know, County USC is filled, but not St. Joseph's up the street or Cedars down the street. So be careful when you hear them talk about who's bursting at the seam. All right. Well, I don't want to lead you. So if you don't want to start with COVID, you, you right. can tell me absolutely anything. And truly, I know nothing, nothing that has happened. Well, as, lo as long as we're on uh, COVID, well, I'll tell you what, we'll circle back to COVID. We'll okay. start with the Taliban invaded Afghanistan and Biden withdrew the troops and the airport was uh, overrun. And uh, there's incredible video and we'll we'll show it in a in a few minutes. There's incredible video of folks clinging to the aircraft and clinging to the landing gear. Literally, you know, last helicopter out of Hanoi. It has that. It's reminiscent of that. So wow, when Biden are people escaping, this is sorry Afghani refugees hanging on to our planes trying to get out of there because. The Taliban overran the uh, so basically the Taliban was in charge of security at the airport, essentially uh, the perimeter. The, the entire place was overrun by Taliban and we had uh, Americans trying to get out of there and, you know, interpreters and folks that were friendly to us during the last 20 years of that skirmish. And it was a total bleep show. And so we actually had to send troops back into Afghanistan to go to that airport <sighs> and try to extract Americans and folks that were considered friendly to us, although we're, of course, not successful in getting everyone out. So we, so we got some people out. And did you say now we're taking our troops out? Like, is that is it done? I mean, if, if the They're idea done. here... So, so we're officially leaving Afghanistan. Is that there were some rumblings about that sort of at the end of July? I mean, I'm you know it's the longest war in American history. I'm completely fine with ending that war. Yeah. So what happened was, and in, in terms of the narrative, is I think most most all Democrats and many Republicans say, "Let's get out of Afghanistan. Why do we need to keep this going?" Now, if you listen to guys like Ben Shapiro, they'll say we had 2,500 troops there and nobody had died in a year and a half. So is that really an endless war? 
Mm-hmm. And he makes a good point. Like we have troops stationed in, you know, Japan and Germany. We we have troops around the world. But they're not involved with an endless war. They're just there, you know. And so to kind of paint it as, you know, not another American killed or these sons and daughters are going over there and never coming back. It's not totally accurate because in the last, you know, in the last uh, seven years, they lost, you know, 10 people. It, it, and, you know, we always have to say it's all it's always a tragedy. Anyone lost, you know, blah, blah, blah. Understood. But if you have no fatalities in the last year and a half, is that an endless war? Right. So what's what's the main media narrative on this? Is it that it was somehow a failure of the Biden administration that we lost this airfield and had to leave. And I mean, I got to see the video here, obviously, but like, is that what the narrative is or is the narrative like, Oh, Biden is doing what Trump never did or something like that. Well, the media is, has a couple of uh, stratus to it. So the first is Biden is pulling everyone out. Good for him. Second one was it turned into such a cluster F that even CNN couldn't ignore it. You know what I mean? You can't ignore I should run the video for you, oh, but you, interesting. You, so, you can't ignore video of people clinging to the landing gear of a C-130 aircraft. Yeah, wait, real quick, though, before we throw to the video. So that's interesting, though. Was Did they basically try to ignore it at first, the mainstream media, because it was going to make the administration look bad like that? Like it was going around Twitter and the rest of it, and then eventually they just couldn't ignore it anymore? No, they didn't do what they normally do, which mm-hmm. is ignore it for as long as they can because it happened so quickly and literally overnight and there was so much dramatic footage coming from that region that even CNN couldn't ignore it. They all had to jump into it. They then kind of corrected their narrative and I'll I'll explain that momentarily but I think first we should take a look at the video of the the Kabul uh, airport and the tarmac and people trying to flee. So we'll, sh- we'll show that. Taliban fighters took control of the capital less than 20 years after U.S. forces overthrew their government. Afghanistan's president fled the country and much of the population is in hiding, afraid of what's next. With scenes like this and unable to get on a flight, we decided to stay. Taliban fighters soon declared an end to the war from the comfort of the presidential palace, just hours after strolling into Kabul, just 11 days after launching an offensive, overwhelming U.S.-trained Afghan forces in cities across Afghanistan. So that 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 aircraft, there's there's dramatic footage of people falling off as it climbs to altitude, obviously, to their death. So it was so dramatic that CNN couldn't (laughs) ignore it. And uh, everyone then agreed that, you know, this was a total shit show and and that that was Biden's. He botched it. He Wait, botched am I, it. Am I understanding this correctly? So the Taliban is now like basically officially in charge of Afghanistan again. Yes. As if yes. we just erased 20 years. 
Yes, except for now Taliban is sort of the new government there. We're now dealing with the Taliban as if we're dealing with France and the leaders of you know Macron or something like that. So and now we hope that ISIS has reemerged as well. And so now we're trying to work with the Taliban to keep ISIS at bay. But there's there's much more to catch you up on. So <laughs> Okay, good start. So, so uh, a country fell basically, and it sounds like another war is brewing. Like it, a pause it, on a war with a new war on the way. It essentially fell overnight. So then, Biden, you know, first he did the damage repair thing, and the generals all got out there and they said nobody saw this coming. Nobody could have anticipated. We thought we had six months to a year. We didn't know we had forty-eight hours. And you know, there were. No, there was no way to anticipate this. So says all the generals and all the experts. Now, my my thing is I, I like to play a game called stupid or liar. You're either lying or you're completely unqualified to do your job. Yeah. But then we then we arranged an airlift to go back to get all the folks or as many folks as we could Americans and people with dual passports and, and dual citizenship and folks that were friendly to us interpreters things of that nature who would be killed by the Taliban obviously um, we arranged an agreement with the Taliban which is let us come back and Biden stupidly said our hard out is August 31st um, which was not enough time to get everyone out. Right. Biden brought that up. I don't know why. The point is, is the Taliban Wait, was said, that just fine. a Biden gaffe or was that just like an actual policy or was that just one of Joe's accidental? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to get in trouble. It's it's unclear why Biden gave a hard out date, which is August 31st. But he did. And then. So that was yesterday. Almost, I mean, is that where we're at right now? Yes, that's where we're at. And almost wow. inst almost instantly, everyone said, we need more time. Go back to the Taliban and tell them we need more time than the 31st of August. And the Taliban said, no deal. You said that's the hard out. That's the hard out. So somehow we couldn't go back and extend that with the Taliban. But, but did we get did we get other people out in the meantime? Like when did this all happen? Was this at the beginning of the month, or has this been going on just for a couple of days, or is this 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 has gone on for the last week and a half, essentially, maybe two weeks? So um, we then had this giant airlift, essentially, where we were getting private airlines involved, or you know, commercial airlines involved beyond the military and. Other folks were coming out of the woodwork trying to help. It became just this huge withdrawal. And the the conceit was we're going to get as many people out by the 31st. And, of course, Jen Psaki and company in the days leading up to this were saying we're going to get all the Americans out. But, of course, everyone knew that was sort of mathematically impossible because there was a lot of people that were stranded outside of the airport. And they couldn't make their way to the airport because the Taliban had set up checkpoints everywhere and was in charge of security. Now, I should back, I should step back a couple of days uh, with about five or six days left, maybe a week 
to withdraw every, everyone uh, for the August 31st deadline, there was a suicide bomber who made his way through the Taliban checkpoint, blew himself up somewhere outside of the airport, and killed 13 American service men and, and women. So that then, of course, outraged everyone because those were the people, those 13 had left and then had to be sent back because it turned into such a cluster F. And obviously, you could imagine being the parent of one of those young Marines who came back from Afghanistan and then turned around and went back. Now, I don't know, honestly, if it's the same Marine who left, turned around and went back or a new Marine. But either yeah, way, either way, we pulled out of Afghanistan. And the next thing you know, your 23-year-old son is being deployed back to Afghanistan to clean up the mess and never comes back. So, I mean, that's horrible. I, there's nothing I can add to that, obviously. Um, but so where do we sort of stand just in narrative right now? Is is everyone on every side saying this is as a, as much of a disaster as it sort of sounds like to me? Or are they trying well, to frame it as like, oh, Joe's doing the right thing here because, you know, we're going to leave and it's going to be messy no matter what? There's a couple narratives. One is, is the White House shifted to this is the biggest, most successful airlift in history. So they started focusing <laughs> on how successful. Like it. Well, it, it's essentially you run your own ship into the Rocky Shoals and then you announce this is the greatest right, right, lifeboat right. departure ever in a, in a, in a, in a, in a ship, you know, and it's sort of like, yeah, I, I get it. We are able to get tens of thousands of people out in a short period of time. It was a, a very large and successful airlift, but obviously the reason we needed to do the airlift is because Biden botched the withdrawal, the right. pullout. Awful lot of people were rescued after the Titanic, I think is the point. That's, that's kind of how, how they, they couched it. Now, the uh, other narrative, and it's an interesting one, which is, uh, you've probably felt it, it's an argument that comes from the left all the time. All the folks on Fox News and, and many on CNN and MSNBC and mainstream media were saying, you totally screwed up this pullout of Afghanistan. This is, a, this is as big an F up as you've seen on the world stage in, in many, many years. And of course, you'll see this a lot when you argue with people on the left. They kept saying, we were in Afghanistan for 20 years. It was an endless war. It was time to stop the endless war. Don't you want to stop the endless war? And which was not the subject. The people were mm. going, yes, we want to stop the endless war. You screwed up the stopping of the endless war. You left them, and by the way, billions of dollars of equipment. So they have Apache helicopters, they have aircraft, they have 365,000 machine guns and you know grenades, night vision goggles, like all our high-end military equipment or much of it was left behind. So Basically, the Taliban so basically has. We armed, now we fully armed them, too, because we just had to cut and run pretty much in this successful right. escape. We left behind, I think it was Bagram Air, uh, one of their airport. The other sort of disaster of it is, is uh, 
and forgive me because I don't know the names of all the all the airports over there, but we had a big airport that we abandoned. So we completely abandoned the big airport and we moved into the little airport and we're trying to conduct all this from the little airport. It's essentially saying if you live in Los Angeles, we abandoned LAX, but we went to Burbank or Van Nuys. And now we're trying to conduct this out of that. And obviously it's not the same facility. And as we abandoned the airport, so did we with the Apache helicopters and fixed wing aircraft and machine guns and all uh, a lot of technology as well. Humvees, armor cars, I mean, everything. We just left it. So putting aside the people we left behind and what you're saying is billions of dollars worth of equipment that can now be used to do all sorts of awful things, uh, the narrative sort of is that this is kind of good because it had to come to an end, which sort of is like Iraq a couple of years ago. Remember when we left Iraq, they had just had democratic elections. Things were looking pretty good. Then we left and the whole place fell again. So it's, it just sort of sounds like rinse and repeat. It's the same thing. Yeah, and to further that narrative the Biden administration and then all the talking heads on CNN were like, we had to leave the way we left because Trump cut a bad deal course, with the Taliban. And so we were just honoring the Trump deal. So Trump basically made this deal. We were honoring it and we had no choice. Of course, anyone who has a functioning frontal lobe would say you abandon every other Trump deal you know, we had deals. We had a lot of stuff going on at the southern border. We had pipelines. We had many other deals that you immediately scrapped the second you got into office. So right. since when can't you scrap a Trump deal? You know, what's interesting to me is one of the things I kept thinking about for the month is that I knew I was going to come back and you were going to tell me, you know, some stuff. And it was it's like it's not exactly the stuff that's interesting. It's more how the ne the media deals with it. That's interesting to me. Like, it sounds to me that if this exact same scenario that you're telling me about right now happened under Trump, they would be telling you, and it would be across mainstream media, this is the biggest far, foreign policy blunder of all time. And this is an impeachable offense, and this is complete incompetence and, and the whole thing. So that part, uh, you know, I'm not diminishing the human cost and everything, but just sort of my like visceral reaction to all of this is, is how does the media spin it is now more interesting to me in a way than what actually happened. Well, what the media does is they you can't ignore the calamity part of it. You know what I mean? How could you ignore footage of people clinging to an aircraft? You know, so they can't ignore it. So they sort of focus on the human part of it, which is mm -hmm. these are refugees. These are interpreters. These people have families. They kind of separate it from Biden a little bit and focus not how did we get to people clinging to aircraft, but who are these people? And then they gave Biden a fair bit of flack because it's it's in a, it's it's unavoidable. It's it's like literally you had to do it. So I think CNN sort of held their nose for three or four news days and said some disparaging things about Biden and the pullout. But it was always laced with this was Trump's doing. You know, this was this was Trump's plan. It was not avoidable. And then it then it turned into what a miraculous achievement the airlift was. God, it's gymnastics. It really is. And, and Trump is going to be, you know, I know we'll get to the COVID stuff, but like it's just a thing in the system forever. When we need the Trump card to be pulled out to blame somebody for something or say the exact opposite that we would have said, 
if it was our guy, then you pull out Trump. When, when something gets too hot, you pull out COVID. That, that just seems so obvious to me after stepping away for a little bit. Yeah. And then as far as, you know, CNN goes, um, immediately kind of on the heels of this was a big category, whatever hurricane that blew into New Orleans. And so they immediately were able to shift all of their focus onto, you know, flooding and power outages and all that. So they, they were able to get off the whole Afghanistan story. Did Anderson um, Cooper get to stand in a foot of water and pretend that he was drowning? Did they get that far yet? He's so brazen, he did it in studio this year. He actually stood in a, <laughs> in a tin of, of water. water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right, trying well, to. sounds like a freaking disaster. Okay. It, it, it is. Uh, but again, the Biden administration keeps shifting it back to didn't you want to end this endless war? And people keep saying that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how we pulled out. Wait, and just to be clear, though, so this August 31st thing that you mentioned that the Taliban saying we're done. So are we officially saying yet we're not going in anymore and helping anybody or now we're, we're you know, I'm sure we're doing something on the DL. But like, wh where is that at now? Um, w you know, what the Jen Psaki and, and others keep saying is, is, you know, it started off as we're not going to leave any Americans behind. Then it went to, well, there are some Americans left behind. And then there's this weird lessening things where they go, they had dual citizenship, which is sort of implying, yeah. well, they're not quite as important as Americans, you know, that, because they're sort of dual. And then there's the, we don't know how many are left behind, but we think it's, you know, about 200, but it's, you know, it's not that many. So they're kind of trying to tamp it down a little. And then there's a little bit of, uh, blame shame, which is, you know, those are people who didn't want to, you know, we reached out to everyone and told them we were leaving. You know, I don't know why they didn't go to the airport, but oh, yeah. they couldn't. I'm sure there were plenty of to, those people. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> Obviously, you could never run that gauntlet through the Taliban from wherever you were to, to the airport once you got caught outside of the airport. And then there is the, we're going to do everything we can to get those people back, except for we don't have a presence there and the Taliban is in charge. And then there's a lot of, you know, a lot of this, which we always do, which is if the Taliban wants to join the rest of the world on the world stage, then they will, you know, cooperate with that. They don't want to do that. They're the Taliban. Right. And there's probably, uh, you sort of referenced this before, but like the translators and all of the Afghanis who've been working with us, there's probably, there could be hundreds of thousands of people that one way or another, the Taliban is now going to just take out. And it's like, but I get it. I get the inclination of like, it was going to be messy no matter what. You you pick a date to announce you're leaving and it's going to be messy. You do a slow withdrawal, it's going to be messy. And maybe that's why you can't have 20-year wars. Well, I think the rub is is the military left before many citizens did. So I think the way yeah, yeah. it should have been conducted is remove all the civilians and then remove all the military equipment and then remove the military troops and get out. You know, I, I am not uh, by any means an expert on this stuff, but that, that makes sense to me and anyone who's uh, over 10 years old. Right. The people hanging onto planes leave all our shit version, probably not right. the best one. Right. So I know uh, I've been a little out of the loop, but you know. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're at with Afghanistan.
And and then also there's this kind of thing where now we're going to use diplomacy to pressure the Taliban to do the right thing, which um, historically I don't think we have a very high batting average with. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it's going to work. All right, you want the next story? Next story, let's go. All right, so what? one messy war situation, okay. I'm, I'm doing okay so far. COVID-19 hysteria continues. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine gets full approval. That's something you probably hadn't heard of. FDA right. grants uh, full approval to uh, Pfizer, and uh, there's basically you know, vaccine passports. They're basically... They're in like so a couple of things. Um, uh, by the way, you should know today, this morning, less than an hour before I came here, I got a call from my son who's in the 10th grade and I had to go pick him up at school and bring him home because some classmate somewhere had COVID and they're sending anyone home that shared the same class with it's the never kid ending, man. Uh, that's what I said before I brought you on. I'm telling you, that whatever about you're about to tell me, and the passport thing is a disaster if that's right or if that's true. But like this thing is never ending. There, we're basically going to split. This is what I really believe at this point. I think there's many reasons for it, but on the COVID front, we're going to basically split into two countries where it's going to be a certain amount of people are always going to be masked, always going to be getting booster shots, never going out, always going to be locked down, dependent on government, and then another bunch of people are just going to try their best to live their lives. But I see there's almost no bridging that gap. So wait, we, we have passports, is that correct now? Well, New York is requiring you to show proof of vaccination to enter bars and restaurants and gyms and things of that nature, that, that's implemented. It's a lot of sem semantics because you think about it, you know, you have Biden going, there's no, not gonna be vaccine passports, you know, three months ago. Yeah. Well. He's not going to implement vaccine passports, but um, if you go to any, if you go to Stanford, Stanford's not going to let you in unless you show them a proof of vaccination. If you go to Amherst, uh, Dr. Drew's alma mater, uh, you can't come back unless you're vaccinated. They want double masking indoor. And so I think the game is the federal government is going, we're not requiring anything. No, you're not requiring anything. You'll leave that to Stanford and Amherst and Delta Airlines and every big gym chain and every federal building or sorry, every governmental building. If you're in a teacher's union or truck driver's union, you'll just leave that to them. So you have exactly. de facto vaccine passports without the federal government ever mandating it. I mean, that's exactly the same thing. One of the last things that happened before I left was that story broke about how the government is flagging posts about misinformation for Facebook. So it's not the government censoring you, it's Facebook censoring you and they're a private company. I mean, it's, it's the exact same thing. Well, it's, it's the teachers unions that are mandating protocol to the CDC. You know, in, 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 in a way, it's yeah. sort of the opposite. It's like, the, where is that line between Facebook and the government? And where's that line between teachers unions and the CDC? And the answer is there is no line. There's just an agenda. You know, actually, I did have to take one phone call about halfway through August because I was doing an event in New York City, uh, a big tech 
uh, debate. I was going to debate, um, you know, government involvement in big tech in November, and they told us that everyone was going to be required to be vaccinated to be at the event. Um, so my guys, you know, we had like an emergency line that they could reach out to me if something really had to be dealt with on a timely basis. And basically, I said to them, I'm not going to do an event in New York City. Then it's not. I'm not going to uh, speak at an event where people are forced to say whether they're vaccinated or not. If you want to be vaccinated, it's up to you. And if you don't want to be, and if you want to wear masks and all those things, but how can I go to a, a place where I'm going to speak and demand that everyone that is in that audience has to be vaccinated? Insane. So I think we're trying to move the venue. That was the last I heard. Well, also something that's coming uh, recently, obviously, is Israel is a number of months ahead of us with the vaccinations. So we get good data out of Israel. In Israel, just today or yesterday or very recently mandated a third vaccine, a booster, meaning you're not fully vaccinated until you've had your third vaccination, your booster. So obviously it went from vaccinated to you're not vaccinated unless you have your booster. Now, according to everything I've heard and everyone I've spoken to, there is no end to the booster right. in right. terms of the vaccinations. There's, there is literally just getting infected with COVID, getting antibodies and herd immunity, but we're not going to do it with vaccinations. And Israel, who's amongst the most vaccinated, is being hit very hard right now with COVID. So, so Adam, I don't want to get hmm. us booted from YouTube on my day back, but is it fair to say, which is exactly what I said on Twitter that got me suspended for misinformation until they reversed it the day before I left, is it fair to say that the vaccines are not working as promised? I mean, there's video of Joe Biden and what, that was May or so, saying if you're vaccinated, uh, you can take off your mask and you can go live your life normally. So that, that was that misinformation then or... Well, uh, the the mask thing is is a is a whole nother kettle of fish we can get into as well. I would say the vaccines, as promised, are not delivering, and and maybe it's an oversimplification of most Americans with vaccines, you know. But we sort of looked at it as you get your shot, you can no longer get COVID, take off your mask, go eat at a crowded indoor restaurant. Then it turned into you right, can that get vaccines. That was the promise, and that was not delivered. Now, who knows what they knew when they knew it? You know, there's certain parts of this, again, stupid or liar. Like, I, I never know. Do they not know this, or they know it and they're withholding it? I, I assume that he, here's essentially how the government works, which I've learned from being around long enough. You know, I used to pass a billboard in Hollywood that said 53,000 Americans die of secondhand smoke every year. I used to talk to Dr. Drew about it all the time. I've never heard of anyone dying of secondhand smoke. Have you ever heard of a celebrity that died? You know, <laughs> Cary Grant dies at 74 of secondhand smoke. I've never, I don't know anyone. I've never heard of anyone. And Dr. Drew goes, oh, it does. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. And then he pulled an article from JAMA once, and he said it was an article years later because he'd heard me complain about it so much that they, they thought as many as three people died of secondhand smoke like the year before. So oh. what's what are they doing? Well, they're lying, but they're lying like a parent lies to a child. You know, finish your vegetables and do your homework or the boogeyman will get you. So that's what they do. Now, you could say to a parent, you're lying to your child. And they're like, that's all right. He, I want him to eat the vegetables. I want him to do the homework. 
That's essentially the relationship we're now having with Fauci and the government. And it, it goes back. It goes back to AIDS. I, I've been around long enough. I remember the whole AIDS thing. It was an equal opportunity killer. Mm-hmm. A heterosexual couple or gay yeah, couple we, was all was all the same. Everyone needed to wear a condom. Everyone needed, it could come out. It could get anyone. And it was like that was a lie. Yeah, yeah. And it was a lie they told to try to get everyone to put a condom on. That's what that there's a rich history of the government doing this. So so wait, where are we with COVID right now? Is I, my sense I just have a gut feeling just from walking around LA for the last 2 weeks that people are sort of more paranoid than usual because there was that remember that little 4-day window we had here in LA where mm-hmm. it was like, "Oh, people are sort of acting normal again." A woman smiled at me while walking at the do- walking the dog. I couldn't believe it like is it worse now or better or or just no one knows because it's impossible to believe any of this nonsense? Well, there's an uptick because of the Delta variant. It's more contagious. Uh, still doesn't do anything to kids, although they try to weave the kids in constantly into the mix because that's the way, way you scare the moms and then the right. moms and now control kids, kids everything. Kids over two years old are wearing masks on planes. I mean, that was the one that I heard when I came back from Jersey a couple days ago. I had a family wedding, came back, and it was, if you're over two years old, you have to wear a mask on a plane. Yeah, we, we so there's an uptick. There's an uptick in cases. There's an uptick in deaths. The Delta seems to be more... Um, transmissible and the vaccine doesn't seem to prevent you from getting the Delta variant, but it, uh, but it apparently stops the severity of it. So what they're saying is, is everyone who's hospitalized or most who are hospitalized are unvaccinated. So you can get it. You're just not going to be impacted by it. And here's another governmental uh, lie or stupid or liar or whatever. Remember about four or five months ago when they're really kicking the whole vaccinate, you know, really pushing, beating the vaccination drum really hard. A lot of people, a lot of voices, a lot of folks that we listen to on our side of the aisle were saying, yeah, but if you had COVID, then you're fine. You don't need to get vaccinated. Right. And guys like heads of the CDC and Rochelle Walensky and, and Fauci and all the experts were saying, no, no, you still need to be vaccinated. You still need to be vaccinated. And it's like, why do you need to be vaccinated if you've had it already? Well, now, of course, the science has come in. And I think you're 13 times more uh, suited to not be infected by COVID if, in fact, you had COVID versus the vaccination. So I'm, it was the exact opposite of what they're saying. Folks that we talk to and listen to were saying, why should I get vaccinated if I've already been infected with COVID and I have natural immunity to it? Fauci and Rochelle Walensky were going, well, we don't know if you have that or not. It's unclear. The data's not in. We don't know. So you need to be vaccinated. A lot of those people, like Dr. Drew, who has a high T-cell count or whatever the biology is of it, was forced to get vaccinated because he wanted to get on an airplane and go out of the country. He wanted to go on a cruise. He wanted to go to New York. He wanted to do the, you know, the event that you spoke of that yeah. you've scrapped and moved. So again, it's, 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 it is a vaccine mandate because Dr. Drew, as an example, right, right. got COVID. It hit him hard. 
And he, because of his background and his training and his relationships in that community, have, have, been, have been tested constantly to see what his natural antibodies were. And they're off the charts. But he was forced he to was get vaccinated, forced, yeah. which now they're finding out might be a little bit dangerous for folks that have already had it, or more so. I don't want to get pulled off YouTube. But maybe, statistically, there is some negative side effects to the vaccine for a very small percentage of people. But if you have natural immunity, why even chance that small percent? We also basically have, what we think. Yeah, yeah, we just have a bigger problem here, which is just as you're telling me this, and you know, you're on my short list of people that that I trust to like analyze things in some roughly decent way. It's like it's just impossible to believe any of the stuff that gets out there because even this idea that you just said about oh well, if you're vaccinated, then we know you're getting a, a sort of less severe version of COVID or something like that. It's like where is there studies on that? Like that are real? How would we know if people are getting less? hit less hard physically when they get COVID. I also, right before I mentioned this on the show, right before I left the grid, but I have a friend here who's in the medical field, I don't wanna say specifically, uh, but someone that I completely trust, and I know this is, this is just personal info, but he told me that he knew nine people, this is like July 29th or 30th, knew nine people in LA with COVID at that time, and they all were vaccinated, and he didn't know anyone that wasn't vaccinated. Again, I'm not here to say don't get vaccinated, I'm not here to say don't, so you do whatever you wanna do, but like, it's just such, this thing, it's this secondary virus in the system, that seems so obvious to me. The information war around COVID is, is to me at this point more dangerous than COVID. Well, I think here's the problem with uh, guys like you and I and then the powers that be. Um, to circle back, they say that the people who are hospitalized are the unvaccinated or the majority of them are unvaccinated. So that's their data for the severity of it versus vaccinated versus unvaccinated. But to your point, they keep, they basically are doing what the airline does when there's a two hour delay, they give it to you in 20 minute increments, right? <laughs> you ever, if there's ever a flight delay, they go, it's right, a 20 right. minute flight delay. And you go up, oh, I can handle 20 minutes. I'll go to Starbucks. And then 19 minutes later, they go, uh, it's going to be another 20 minutes. And eventually they'll get to three hours, yeah. but they'll, they do it incrementally. So what they do is they say, uh, the vaccine's going to, we'll be able to go back to normal when the vaccine comes, then the vaccine comes, then they go, okay, you can be vaccinated, but you still have to wear your mask. Then they go, uh, then you go, but masks aren't effective. And they go, doesn't matter, wear the mask anyway, get vaccinated. And then they go, you can get vaccinated. But, oh, yes, you can still get infected with COVID with the vaccination. And then they go, but if you get infected with COVID, it's not going to be severe. Well, now we have to wait for the next piece of information that that counter that counters what they just said. Exactly. And the problem it's is, is we're noticing a pattern. It's, it's just the slow descent to hell that we're all on. I, I was thinking a lot about that over this month, that it's like every day we just wake up with some new information or some conflicting information, and we all just kind of have to play ball with it because we, we don't know what else to do. You know, there was that video, I'm sure you saw it, uh, right at the end of July that went viral. It was about this two-minute video of, of Fauci flipping on everything. You know, one minute he says masks, then he says don't wear masks because you touch your face more and they don't really work. And then he says double mask, and then he says, oh, this type of mask doesn't work and this one does. And it's like, 
we're just average people trying to live our lives. Everyone watching this is just some person that has to work a job and live with some people and try to get by. They can't analyze this nonsense from these, I would say, intentionally conflicting people at this point. Well, look at the head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky. Oh, she's a piece of work. When she said, she's a piece of work. We have, what did she say that a couple months back? It was like, I have to scare you, but I don't want to do it. Something like that. She said a few things. Yeah. First off, she came out and said it's safe for kids to go back to school. And then uh, somebody from the teachers unions got hold of her. And then she explained that she wasn't speaking in her official capacity, even though she was standing in front of a CDC step and repeat. <laughs> and she's the head of the CDC. She was just uh, she was just drunk at a party. And, 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 right. and babbling. I, wait, okay. Wait, so but Adam, just explain something yeah. to me. You, your son in his class or just any, has there been one instance in the United States in the last year and a half that we've been playing this game? Remember, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. Has there been one instance of a third grade class where one kid got it, then every single kid got it and all the kids died? Is there one instance of that? Look, Is there, uh, uh, well, same thing as the hospitals. Is there any instances right. of any of this stuff? No, obviously. I'm going to get shot at the end of the show. I know it. If I'm, a, I'm if, on the list. If an 11-year-old died, a healthy 11-year-old died, and let's just, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If there was one fourth grade class and two 11-year-olds died in that same class, CNN would be talking about it for the next 2,000 years. Yes. So that's how you know this didn't happen. Because Not if to it say did, some kids haven't got sick, and then they get better. That's what happens when you get sick. Right. So here's the story of COVID. Like, I'm going to give you my 30,000-foot view of COVID. Forget about science and numbers and data and biology. I'll just give it to you. Um, the whole thing started, and it killed old people. It, it COVID kills old people. There was a study out of Stanford today, and the numbers are so astronomical that it's hard to accurately say. But from zero to 19, if you get infected with COVID, you have a 99.997 chance of survival. So that doesn't yeah. exist. I've always said, if you were making a movie about a pandemic, would this work? Nobody, <laughs> just right. wouldn't, people's faces would be melting in the fifth grade. That's how, okay. So here's my view of COVID. First things first. Um, I'm not a scientist, but I am intuitive. And when we, a year and a half ago, when we started hearing about death, I kept saying, what about the ages? I want ages. How come? They have three more people died in Yorba Linda today. How old are they? How old are they? I kept saying it. And people are going, oh, it's, it's a HIPAA rule. Or they don't. I said, no, no. My entire, I, I study patterns. And my entire life, I listen to the news and they say a 43-year-old mother of three died in a car accident. And they don't give her name, but they'll tell you the 43-year-old or 19-year-old pedestrian was crossing and was hit by a truck. Now, all of a sudden, we just have people dying of COVID. No ages. So I'm like, what are the ages? Why aren't they giving us the ages? That's a very important part of this, because obviously uh, my dad is 90. My son is 15. If this kills my dad, there's no reason to panic. If it kills my son, there's ample reason to panic. 
Okay, there's a big difference. You brought I your tell son people, to my birthday party. Nobody died. Nobody, nobody died. died. And no. There were some old people there, by the way. Here's here's an interesting thought experiment. If anyone who has a child, if you were leaving the hospital and before you left the hospital, they said, oh, you got to spin the wheel. And you said, what is the wheel? Oh, it's just a two part wheel. On one side, it says 85. And on the other side, it says 15. <laughs> and you go, why do I have to spin the wheel? Because that's the age your infant's going to die. If you spun that wheel and it landed on 85, you'd never stop celebrating. You never would stop. So that's the difference between ages. If it landed on 15, you would be a heap of tears. You'd be hugging your wife. It would be emotional. If it landed on 85, you would literally, the, the, everyone in the hospital would be cheering. So that's the difference. So here's the deal. It was killing old people. And killing old people, and as a matter of fact, some of the data is the group that died in the highest numbers in the United States was older than the median age of natural death. So if the natural death, literally the, the highest number, I think it was like 175,000 Americans died, or maybe it's 200 by now, but was actually like 82 and the median death was 80 or whatever. So that's not going to work for CNN. That's not going to work at all. How can you panic all the moms with that kind of information? So what did we do with COVID? We left out the ages intentionally of all the elderly who died and statistically are at risk versus the non-statistical risk of basically anyone under 50. And what did we do? We focused on the kids. Now, we closed the schools. Well, closing the schools is a metaphor for closing society. Schools yep. are society. So if you'd like to close down California, good luck closing down California if the schools are still open. So you close the schools and then you go, well, the schools are closed. Look, we got to shut down every every restaurant, every bar and every gym because the schools are closed. It was all part of a huge narrative, but it's all the ages. And if you want to know why they're constantly working the kids by the way, another study came out that said masks essentially are useless for kids in the classroom. Why so much focus on something that statistically doesn't exist? Because right. kids scare all the moms and the elderly don't. And at what point, as someone that just lived a month of my life having nothing to do with COVID, as I said, I was at a resort for two weeks where we didn't, the guests didn't have to wear masks. The staff did. I didn't want my guys to wear masks, and I told everyone that they didn't have to, and I was sorry that they did. But that made me think, well, we're going to end up in a class war over this thing, too, because the service class and the blue-collar workers and your construction workers and your servers and waiters and waitresses are all going to be wearing masks, while the people that can afford to not do those things. So now we're going to have a class war. That's one Oh, you, yeah, you missed a, a good visual, which was Nancy Pelosi had a big fundraising outdoor dinner with all the gentry there. No one was masked, but all the poor Hispanics that were bringing them the ceviche were masked up.
And God, that what that evil battle and cap that encapsulates the entire moment we're talking about. Just but that's what th they like. That's what they like actually, because they're the elites while they pretend that they're fighting for the average person. So we're gonna have this weird class war that's gonna kick in because of this thing. The kid part is just evil. I mean, I was just when I went to this family wedding, I got to see some of my nieces and nephews who I haven't seen much of in the last two years. And I'm talking to my, my nephew, my 11-year-old nephew about masks. And it's like, he doesn't get to see his friends as much anymore. And they're doing everything online. So even when they're playing PlayStation, instead of back in my day when I would sit in the same room and play you know, NBA 95 with my buddy, they're doing everything online now. And they're just gonna break kids' ability to be social. I mean, it's all... It's all here. At this point, do you think I'm crazy when I say this? Because I, I thought about this a lot for the month. At this point, and again, I don't have every data point, and I know you're giving me whatever you can here. To me, you open up absolutely everything, no restrictions, any, and then everyone makes whatever decision they want to make for themselves. I went to the mall yesterday. I got a nice new jacket, and everyone's walking around. The mall's basically empty because people are afraid of humans, but no one, there's no evidence that anyone in that mall is sick or that if you were, you, you probably didn't go to the mall, but if you want to go and you're afraid, you wear a mask. But I, at this point, there, COVID just wouldn't exist in a certain respect if I was running the world because people, there's risk in life. That's it. That, that, that's just it. And you well, make some a, decisions yeah. for yourself. I know, no, I know I'm a radical freedom extremist. I know, I know. Well, no, no, you're not. You're a COVID denier. Yeah, that's, I know. That's, I'm on a that's, list. That's, that's, that's the new world order. If you say the insurrection was a riot, then you're saying, then you're a denier. And it's like, no, I'm just, just accurate in my terminology. But so here's the, here's the long and the short of it, as, yeah. as I can tell. Um, California, especially where we live, is not in the business of letting you make your own decisions. And they've not been in that business for a long time. People think this is new. It is not new. I'm a builder. I formerly was a builder and I continue to build. Have fun building something in California. Have fun. Have, because they will give you permission and they will dictate every aspect of that build. So this notion of all of a sudden this thing has reared its ugly head. No, anyone who's had to do business in California and especially had to build something in California knows this has been around for a long time. It's been hit with creatine. It's been supersized now because of this. But this is the this is the state we live in and have lived in for a long time. Also, Wait, can, we, can we shift yes. for a second to maybe some yes. good news since you're mentioning California? Please, God, if I ask the good Lord for one thing on this day that I come back to the grid, please tell me that the recall situation is going well. I have a sense that it might be because I did do one thing over this course of the month re related to all this. I did have one dinner for Larry Elder because there was a fundraising thing that I felt it was important that I was at to help, help him make some connections. Um, and everyone knew I was off the grid, so I didn't hear anything. But I, I got a sense, this was about halfway through the month, that there was some momentum there. Please, God, Adam, even if you want to lie to me a little bit, give me some hope mm -hmm. here. We got 14 days. Like, please, a little momentum? Come on. Well, I think Larry does have some momentum because the L.A. Times is launching attack pieces against him. And so is oh. CNN. Oh, it's that, on the, that's as good as it gets. All you need is the attack pieces. That means it's going well. Perfect. Right. Uh, a, a headline out of the L.A. Times that you'll particularly enjoy was that Larry Elder is the new face of white supremacy. And I, I oftentimes think of you. 
And I cite you a lot because your story of going from the left to the right and saying it seems impossible that everyone who disagrees with us is racist. It it, it seems improbable statistically because we're talking about economic policy, except for everyone I'm arguing with is racist if I'm on (laughs) on the left. And so here's the thing. Um, uh, They are so out of ideas on the left and can do nothing to Larry Elder's policies. They, they can't attack his policies. They literally just have sexism and racism. Those are the two things. So they're focusing, um, CNN with Jim Acosta ran a piece that was so laughable. It was insane. They pulled a clip of Larry Elder's radio show from four years ago where he made an innocuous joke about uh, women marching and the the million woman march. And the gist of the joke was Trump has motivated more fat women to get off the sofa (laughs) and march than Michelle Obama did with her health initiative. It's a good joke and it's it's true. And then Jim Acosta called it disgusting. Oh, yes. Which, by the Jim way, Acosta. makes him makes him. He's such a clown. He's such a pussy. But okay. I and by the way, he's a liar. He doesn't think that's disgusting. But the point is, yeah. is CNN has entered the fray. That's great. Um, that is great. That's so it's great. getting. So it's finally getting national attention. That's what. That's what I was saying right before I went off the grid. That one of the types of fake news is that the media just ignores things. It's not that they lie about everything. It's that they ignore certain things. So if if CNN's hitting this right now, that is spectacular. Yes, they are now. One has to say, which I always find something I, I talk to drive Dr. Drew about privately all the time, which is I do not get the Los Angeles Times. So here's an interesting statistic because um, I went and looked it up. Um, California always looks at itself as sort of the vanguard for all progressive movements. Mm-hmm. Like as California goes, so follows the nation and the world. You know, we set we're the leader in gay marriage and we're the leader of social justice. Like we're the leader. Um, we've had governors for over 150 years. We've never had a black governor, never. So California has never had a black governor. We've Mm. had governors since Mm. 18, since 1849. We've never had a black governor and the LA times who's on the vanguard of diversity is going to attack the first potential black governor of California. So what are the rules? Friends on the left are the rules. We want black people in positions of power because I don't think that's the rule. Just be clear. We want black people who agree with us in power. And if not, you're Candace Owens or Larry Elder. You're not even black. We like minorities who bow forever. That's what it is. We don't like gays. We like gays who bow forever. We like black people who bow forever. We like women who bow forever. Look, it sounds to me, and I know I've been out of it for a little while, sounds to me like the LA Times has gone full white supremacist. It is. I don't, but my whole point is, how do you do this with a straight face? That's my whole point. And all you have is um, anyone who wants to run, and, and all Larry Elder talks about is school choice and regulation and border security and all that kind of stuff, and all they talk about is racism. And by the way, if you want to know how brazen they are, 
they're doing with a black male. I mean, I know right. you know that, but yeah. I mean, it's like they're so committed to their calls of racism for anyone who opposes them that they will do it for a guy who was born in South Central and yes. attended Crenshaw High. That's how committed they are to to calling everyone a racist. And by the way, on September 14th, the key thing is you just have to vote yes or no on the recall. That's the beautiful thing. So who in their right mind is going to vote that day and be like, yes, everything's great? Even if you're a complete progressive nutbag, who in their right mind would go to the polling place that day and be like, yes, we want more of Gavin Newsom. We want more homelessness. We want more drugs on the street. We want less policing, all of those things. Like, that's why I think there's some hope here, because what was it? Something like 1.7 million people hand signed the recall, because you had to do it hand signed, right? You couldn't do it online. So those people are going to be incentivized. Those people are going to be excited to get out there on the 14th. How many of Newsom's people are going to be really excited, unless you can trick them into thinking that the black man is a white supremacist? <laughs> well, Wait, so I, are I, there I, any numbers? Are there any numbers, like polling numbers or anything? Or are you just, the, the I, sense is that it, we're in good shape here? I, I saw a graph that uh, your people provided me, and I have to I have to access that because I have a large stack of papers to uh, get into with you. But it, it was I think it's sort of within the margins of error. I think I uh, you know Larry. That's amazing. That's amazing. Larry's, Larry's still. Yeah, oh, we're, we're throwing it up right now. That that's oh. awesome. Yeah, forty six point three versus fifty. Point six. Oh I don't God. know. Amazing. I don't know how how old this uh, survey is. I'm guessing it's fairly current. If your people dug it up, but it's 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 there. We're we're within a few ticks, and um, who the heck knows? Wow. So um, so that's good news. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to devote the next two weeks of my life to making this thing happen. Maybe I'm crazy, but you and I stayed. You know, Knowles, Shapiro, the rest of those guys, they fled. But what if Corolla and Ruben lead the charge, and Dr. Drew, you know, lead right. the charge to save this freaking thing? And then instead of, oh, the country goes as California goes, it's the country gets saved because we save California. I'm not kidding. I'm devoting the next two weeks of my life to this. No matter, I, I will do, I just, I actually just texted. I did pick up my phone this morning to text. And I texted Larry. I said, anything you need, anything I'm there. So let's see. Yeah. Well, look, um, again, you cannot do worse than Gavin Newsom. Yeah, so this is different than Gavin Newsom. And uh, I said to somebody once who said uh, this is months ago before Larry got into the fray. I said, uh, who would you like over Gavin Newsom? And I said, one of those plastic owls that people put up on their sign. At they the restaurant at the beach, so the seagulls don't crap on it. Yeah, that would that, be fine. That would be that, just fine. The owl wouldn't be destructive. You just just be just be there. By the way, one, all right. What? Wait, one quick hmm. thing on this, which is, um, you know, I've seen these ads on YouTube as I was watching just old basketball games. Where this guy, do you know who this guy is? This Reed Hastings guy. He's the CEO of Netflix, and he's been basically Gavin Newsom's. Uh, piggy bank for this thing. So he runs these mm -hmm. crazy anti-Larry Elder ads. And it's, yeah, implying he's a white supremacist and he's an anti-vaxxer. And in one of the ads, they basically are like, voting for Gavin Newsom is uh, a life or death decision. I'm slightly paraphrasing, right. but that's basically what it says. The implication that Larry is going to kill your children and Gavin Newsom, who you're telling me COVID's not going so well, he's been in charge this whole time. He's obviously going to save your children. These people, the lies, man... I, I, these are not good people. Well, I'll circle back 
just to put a button oh, on I'm COVID. Psyched. All right, we got some good news today. All right. Just so people know, and and it's it's anecdotal, of course, but here's personally my own experience with COVID. Um, I I know a few people. There's uh, Bean Baxter, Dean Baxter from Kevin and Bean, K Rock started many years ago with them. Uh, Bean got COVID, got hit pretty hard, recovered fine. He did everything right according to him, masking and washing hands and spraying everything down with Lysol and not leaving the house except for, for you know, to go to the, the essentials and everything. He did everything. He's a very fastidious guy and he did everything very well. He got it. Uh, Mike August, who you know, yep. books all my live shows and does all this stuff. I travel the country with him. We play clubs. We sit on airplanes next to each other. We stay in hotels. We share Ubers, whatever. Um, he doesn't get it, then gets vaccinated, then does get it. I mean, that's what I referenced before. I uh, don't do anything right. I, I never wear a mask. I never wash my hands. I've never washed my hands since before this. I don't believe in it, by the way. I believe it does more harm than good. Separate subject. I do not sterilize anything. I stay every club date I play. I stay and shake the hand of 200 people and take a picture of my arm around 200 guys, all massless, all indoors. And then when I'm done shaking everyone's hand, I go back to the green room and I grab a handful of cashews before I wash my hands and I eat the cashews. I have never gotten it. So you tell me what doing everything right versus not doing anything, versus doing some of the things. This is the whole gypsy lady aspect to this. You should be studied the, like a mutant. You know what I mean? Maybe that's your superpower. You're eating the cashews and you haven't croaked. How many, how many people do you have to hear go, I did everything right, and then I got COVID before you realize, well, what is right? Then how, how does this work? And the answer is we don't know. Wait, can I just ask you one other thing? That's co it's COVID and California. So, are we in any sort of lockdown right now? Do you are you am I like I, I'm with you? I don't wear it. If I get asked when I go in, then I'm not there to fight with the sales associate at Bloomingdale's, and I'm trying to be nice to people and all of that stuff. But like, what is the actual policy? Right? Like, are, are there some states that are? I assume no one's locked down anymore. But are there some states that are doing more mass stuff and some kind of letting people live? Is Florida still the only free state we got left? Yeah. They're they're doing what they've always done. Texas is doing that as well. Alaska is Alaska. I was there. They don't care. Um, I suspect California would like to impose more draconian rules, but we're right in the middle of a recall. Yeah. And I don't know what Gavin Newsom's relationship with COVID is. I, I think Gavin Newsom's relationship two weeks out from the recall vote is... I will keep beating the drum of how dangerous it is and how you need me to save you from COVID. But if I shut down restaurants, it's going to be a shit storm. And I don't want to do that 10 days before the, the uh, recall vote. On top of the fact there's no evidence that locking anyone down did anything. But we've got to stop that black-white supremacist. So I get it. I get it. That's right. I'm very right. excited about this elder thing, man. That's the best thing you could have told me. Well, maybe uh, more good news yeah. with uh, Governor Cuomo uh, resigning. I know you probably heard some rumblings of no. that. He, he no, he actually resigned. No, 
Yeah. Wait, he's not the governor anymore. He's not the governor. He has resigned. No shit. Well, because of the because of the. The sexual stuff or the the murder stuff? Right. It's not it's not the ten thousand people <laughs> he sent me? to their I death can't... with the nursing home. It's the slapping chicks on the ass aspect of uh, his govern governing that uh, got him out. Wait, was got there a fi- final smoking gun? I I'm shocked. I'm I'm actually I'm completely shocked. I'm I'm sorry in that I forgot you didn't know because this whole thing. He resigned and he gave himself two weeks to resign. And that was about a week or 10 days ago. So as I sort of backdate this whole thing, this must have been going down while you were Ubering to the airport to leave town. Like you just missed this one. Wow. So he is. So, okay. so he so technically he's still in that window or no? He's gone. No, no. Okay. Yes, he's gone. So he was gone a week or 10 days oh, ago. I got you. I got you. And, and there was, you have to add two more weeks onto that. So you just missed it, in other words, is what I'm saying. And, and was um, there a final moment? Was there a video? Because I really thought he was going to get by. It seemed like the ship had sailed and it was like, yeah, you killed all those people. You smacked a couple girls on the ass, but we're, we're moving on. I'm shocked. Uh, I'm completely no, shocked. They, they, uh, they, they took his Emmy back. By the way, <laughs> does he have to give the five million on the book advance back to that uh, that he pocketed? I don't think they're going for that, but they got the Emmy recall. Um, he know that the thing that's interesting about this and the Me Too movement, and I've talked to Mark Gargos about this many times, it's sort of like the Me Too movement works this way. I'm if shocked. it was if it was the if it was the law, you'd say, well, you can have one murder conviction, or you can have eleven jaywalking convictions, and it would be the same. You know what I mean? So it's an interesting thing, which is another woman has come out against Cuomo, and I'm not here to defend Cuomo, but another woman has come out against Cuomo. What happened? Well, he put both his hands on my cheeks and he kissed me on the forehead at a wedding. And it's like, okay. And then at a certain point, the news goes, now there's 11 women. Isn't that enough for him to resign? It's like, well, not 11 jaywalking tickets. That's not enough to give a guy a murder rap. Right. So wait, is that really what happened? That there was just one more and finally the dam broke because nobody cared. It was just like, ah, and by the way, I'm not, you know, you know, my feelings on this, which are the same as yours about evidence and, you know, accusations are just accusations. And a lot of the stuff about, you know, tapping someone on the butt or kissing someone on the head, like it's life. Like, you know, but I'm not even making a judgment call on that, but you're telling me it was just another one. And then it just, the scale tipped. It, it was essentially there seemed to be one credible one where he put his allegedly put his hand up a blouse or something. The rest was a lot of pats on the bellies and finger dragging down the spine saying, hey, you, you know, just kind of weird, semi creepy stuff. Ultimately, didn't he ask there, someone to touch his cannoli or something? Wasn't there there was something cannoli related? I think I, I, it became this sort of saturation level like people got to a saturation level with it but essentially it wasn't sexual abuse it was abuse of power and if you all know the one thing the left has to really come out against is you know a white male heterosexual male in a position of power that is being inappropriate with women who are well beneath him 
in the socioeconomic pecking order. So they couldn't ignore the abuse of power. And it really wasn't. I mean, again, this is my opinion. It was less sexual abuse because there wasn't any real defining. Right. He ripped my blouse off and he raped me repeatedly. It was all an abuse of authority. Right. It's not like it's not like he took a cigar and say sodomized an intern while on the phone with Trent Lott in the White House. Like it wouldn't be that right. sort of thing. Yeah, that, not not like that whole Jimmy Carter incident <laughs> you're speaking of. Yes, not, not that Jimmy. Wait, so <laughs> dare I ask? I don't even know who the Attorney General or sorry the uh, w- w- Lieutenant Governor of right. New York is, but I'm going to guess it's probably somebody worse. So you have to be careful what you ask for. Well. I don't want to pop your balloon after we're sailing so high, but uh, little oh. known fact, it Ilhan is Gavin. Omar is now the governor. What? No, it's Gavin Newsom. He has <laughs> dual coastal citizenship, and he's now running both coasts. So oh. sorry, Dave. Oh, terrible, terrible. No, but I assume is it someone just like further left? Than yeah, it's a, like- it's a female lieutenant governor who's uh, stepped in to fill the void. So he's out. And again, this is the problem. The left never stops talking about every woman needs to be believed. And, you know, after they do their hit piece on Kavanaugh and all that kind of stuff. And then when it happens to one of their own, they would be insane hypocrites to say, well, you know, Kavanaugh's a rapist, but Cuomo's just fine. And they pin themselves into a corner, essentially, because they never stop bloviating about every, you know, every woman needs to be heard and every woman needs to be believed. And now what are they going to say? There's 11 women. Don't listen to them. It's exactly what I always say about it. You call everybody a Nazi. It's not what you're doing to all of them. It's what you're doing to yourself because you can't suddenly be like, ah, that one I called the Nazi. That's not the Nazi. Well, it's it's vaccine mandates and sorry vaccine passports and ids i mean this is a recent story that you may have missed but you probably did the math uh you have all these governors of all these blue states explaining that showing an id to vote is Is jim crow 2.0 and all these same governors have now legislated that you need to show an id and a and a vaccine card to enter a bar, a gym, a restaurant, a, a federal building, a public building, a public space. And obviously in New York City, it's pretty astronomical in terms of the groups that have not been vaccinated. CNN would tell you it's a bunch of guys driving Ram pickup trucks with American flag yeah, hanging. Flags in but front, statistically, yeah. it's the African-American community. So Basically, two thirds to three quarters of black New Yorkers are not vaccinated. And you've now told all those people they can't enter a bar or a restaurant without providing an ID, but that it would be Jim Crow if they had to provide an ID to vote. So you've crapped all over your own point. Well, that's why the lying about the voter ID laws was so dangerous. It was such a dangerous game that they were playing in Georgia and Texas and some of those other states to keep saying it's racist to show an ID. Because congratulations, here we are. Now you want us to all walk around with your your little vaccine mandate? Okay, your little card? Well, I'm not showing my ID for it. God, it's evil. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about just like evil just spreading throughout the system. These liars they, they, and that's why they always go crazy, right? If you're just lying about everything all the time, then you always have to ratchet up the crazy. I'm shocked about this Cuomo thing. All right, so that's good. That's good. Yeah, well, on the same, you know, we're now CNN's all over the Texas abortion bill and all that kind of stuff. And now it's sort of 
again, when you're talking about sort of crapping on your own points, you know, nobody should ever have to tell a woman what she can do with her own health or her doctor. You know, it's between her and her doctor. You must get vaccinated. That's mandated by the state. Well, don't you feel like those two ideas kind of are at loggerheads? Like, you can, yeah. you're an autonomous zone. You can do whatever you want with your own body. If that means an abortion in the third trimester, that is your business. It's nobody's business but you and your doctor. But, of course, if you and your doctor decide you don't need a vaccination, you'll show, you shall be run out of town. Wait, so what's, this going is the on? Problem. what's going on with this abortion bill? I'm going to guess they're trying some probably moderately decent restriction on abortion that most people would agree with. And as you know, I'm begrudgingly pro-choice, so I might even agree with it. But now you're, the left's going to show me how bananas they are. Is that where we're at? I don't know all the nuts and the bolts of it. I think part of the reason the left is going bananas on it is because it's six weeks versus 13 weeks or some version of that. It's a, it's a shorter period of window where you can get an abortion. I do have this bigger philosophical question for you, which I never really thought about because I grew up in California. I grew up in Los Angeles. I worked in Hollywood. Everyone in my family's, you know, liberal and progressive. And I just sort of stewed in it my whole life. I never really thought about abortion doctors, if I remember correctly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I, I wish someone was that professional (laughs) in my family, but Here's an interesting just sort of thought experiment. And I don't know if it's ever this thought has ever entered your mind, but it just entered mine this morning when I was watching CNN trying to figure out. So everyone is outraged over the governor of Texas essentially going after abortion. Okay, Um, we live in California. We have a progressive governor, progressive mayor, progressive legislators. We live in a very blue state, and it's a supermajority of Democrats. They, all day, every day, push their agenda. Mm-hmm. They, want, they, want their, they want schools to be closed down because of COVID. It gets closed down. They, they want the 1619 curriculum taught at school. They want uh, transgender this. Like, th- th- they want uh, the minimum wage to be 15 bucks. Y- you name me the subject. That's their progressive agenda, and they go for it all day, every day. And it's, by the way, why California is a a shitbox now, because they've been doing what they've been doing for too long. We could tolerate it for a while. We're at a saturation point, but fine. I think I can slightly preempt you. They're good guys, Adam. That's the answer. (laughs) Right. We live in a progressive state, and they have a progressive agenda, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. Why is it when there is a red state and a conservative governor, well, that's his agenda, I mean, CNN should understand it doesn't just work one way. It's not blue state, blue agenda, red state, no agenda. No, a red state is a red state, and it has a a conservative governor, and a conservative is against abortion. So that's what he's doing. Right, but it's it's a great point. And again, it gets to why I'm always so interested in the media narrative more than the specifics, because, of course, you, you vote in people to do certain things. But the media is in on it with the lefties and the Democrats. So they like their policies, so their policies will always be good, and the Republican policies will always be bad. You know, real quick on the abortion thing, you know, in, in my book, I talk about a 12-week cutoff 
with very limited exceptions to that, you know, real health-related things either for the mother or for the child. But I can tell you this, Adam, and I think you know a little bit um, on the personal side on this. You know, David and I have been trying to have kids for a while. We've had uh, two miscarriages with our surrogate, and we've had a further complication with a new surrogate. Um, But this idea that this isn't a living being somehow six weeks or 13 weeks or 20 weeks in or certainly eight months in is crazy. I mean, I know when they've taken my sperm and the egg and put it together and they now show me how many embryos we have, we're allowed to say, do you want to implant or a, ma- a male or a female after like three days, basically. They do genetic right. testing. They, it goes from a blastocyst to a full embryo, all of these things. So the idea that even though I take this position, which I know is a, a lot of conservatives are not happy with me about, although some will admit privately they're somewhere there too, um, because they want to take a more libertarian approach and understand that life is kind of messy on the margins and all that. It's like these people that will tell you gender doesn't exist. It's like, then what is my fertility doctor telling me? My fertility doctor saying, do you want to choose the male embryo or the female embryo? Is he a liar or a nutbag? And is that a life? Well, I'm pretty sure if you can tell if it's a sex, then it's a life. So it's like, this is where, again, if you just lie about everything, which is what they do, then you, you end up lying about so much more that it's not a life and sex doesn't matter in any of those things. So I, for me, six weeks is pushing it. Um, I think 12 weeks is fair, but that's where a, a healthy society could have an honest debate. But obviously that's yes. not the society we live in. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm pretty moderate on the subject. This sort of notion, you know, there's a couple of things, which is, you know, it's my body. I can do what I want with my body. Well, it's not your body. It's somebody else's body that's living in your body. So let's let's sort of be clear about it. Also, obviously, if somebody gave birth and then drowned the kid, they're up for murder. So it's not exactly, yeah. you know, neither here nor there in terms of whether it's a human or not. I'm with you. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I feel like I understand both arguments. There's a lot of hyperbole on both sides. The left is sort of going nuts at this point because they're celebrating abortion and yep. talking about as you know, women don't have access to health care and stuff like that. They, they go nuts and go hyperbolic on everything all the time. I get it. I'm with you. Pick what we sort of agree on as a sensible hard out for the abortion and that shall be the law of the land. That's the way I've always approached it myself. Yeah, I, I, and by the way, the funny thing is that you and I can both take that position, which I know that more and more of, let's say, our right-leaning or conservative audience will not like, but no one's going to send us a death threat over this. No one's going to try to cancel us over this. When people read my book and I took that position, I met literally or got emails from hundreds or thousands of people that said, Dave, I love the book. I disagree with you on abortion, but that's okay. And it's like, that is the fundamental difference between broadly what happens on the right these days and and what happens on the left. But everyone knows about that. What else did I miss? What else did I miss? All right. Well, I have to go pee, so I'm going to do one more. Okay. The uh, something that I I drilled down on on my podcast, which I thought was interesting that happened. So Joe Biden's still president, right? Joe Biden's still president. That thing didn't fall apart. Uh, no, he has, uh, well, in, or he's still in president. name, yeah. I don't know if his spirit yeah, yeah. is there, but, but yeah. he is uh, technically still president. University of Wisconsin moves 70 ton rock off of campus to fight racism. So I'm pretty well versed in this story because I, I took notice of it. And I kind of drilled down on it on my show. Um, there is a rock 
a boulder, a 70-ton boulder that's billions of years old because it was pushed there by a glacier a billion years ago, was uh, on the campus of University of Wisconsin, was named after the first chancellor, dean, or president, or one of the presidents of the University of Wisconsin who was like a botanist. So he was, you know, he was a tree hugger. And uh, he was, that was 150 years ago, and they named this boulder after him. Uh, you're probably thinking right now, why did they have to move a racist boulder? You know, I don't ask these questions anymore, actually. It's like, right. yeah, this is what they do. This is what they do. Um, in an article in a newspaper from 1925, they use a racially disparaging term for the boulder for some reason. It's unclear why, but in one article from 1925, they called it something horrible. And for that reason, 70, uh, 73 years later or 72 years later, whatever it is. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, 90, 90. Yeah. yeah. I, I was 90, no math on my day. 97, almost, 90, yeah. 98 years later, whatever it is, they must, they've been asked to remove the boulder and they have removed the boulder because it was offensive to uh, people who were in the uh, in the community. I don't know, the Black Student Union or something. But here's my – and they pulled the plaque off it, which had the name of the president who was the botanist guy. Like he wasn't – he wasn't – Wait, wait. Where, where do they put the racist boulder? Where, where is the boulder now? It's still It's still on the grounds of the University of Wisconsin. They just moved it. Because we all know that's going to help the kids in the inner city of Chicago, right? Problem's over. But here's what I said to everyone, and I'd, I'd like your take on this. You know, when I objected to them pulling down statues, I I always, when, I, when you're dealing with the progressive left, it's called a progressive movement. It's got the word progress and movement in it. it it's, there's no signs of it stopping or slowing yeah. down. So first yeah. they're going after Civil War generals who are on the wrong side of history, and they go, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is the next ones they go after is Lewis and Clark, yep. and now they're at a boulder. That's what's wrong with it. It never stops. You can't progress, you can't progress for the sake of progress. You have to sit, progress for the sake of equality, basically. But yeah, they just go and go and go. So congratulations. We're not just removing rocks, we're just moving them. That's actually moving more, them. That's like the more yes. interesting part of this story is that it didn't, they didn't blow it into smithereens. They didn't hide it underground. They just moved it. Again, we must be out of problems. That's, that's the one hopeful sign of this whole thing. Corolla, I am, uh, I'm shocked here. COVID, all right, that stuff, it is what it is. We got some hope out of California. Cuomo's gone. The Afghanistan thing sounds kind of messy, so I'll obviously have to do a little homework on that for the rest of the day. Uh, and then, and the, and the rock, that's it. That's right. Nothing else, nothing else. Oh. How, how are you doing? Oh, speaking of the rock, there is a cop who looks exactly like the rock. That story oh. <laughs> happened like 10 minutes ago, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm sitting here in my studio in uh, California and uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm keeping it, keeping it together, busy, traveling, doing shows all around the country, writing my sixth book and working on documentaries. I can't complain. You going to help me with this elder thing for the next two weeks? I will send me, send me a text because I've been, I've been uh, wanting to reach out to uh, Larry myself.
Yeah, will do. All right, listen, I'm, I'm going to let you pee. I'll, I'll finish up solo for a couple of minutes here. But I really, I thank you, man, for doing this. I, I know this was uh, a heavy lift in between shows for you and, and a long schedule and everything. So it's good to see you. And uh, I, told the, I told everybody when I got back, I, I really perfected the smoked brisket this month. So, mm. yeah, yeah, we'll do it. All we'll right, it. I'll see you at the grill. Thanks, All buddy. Right. All right, be good, Adam. Wow. I don't even know what to say right now. Uh, the Cuomo thing is just an absolute shock. Like, I really thought that the ship had sailed on that one. Um, you know, and I don't like the idea of people being destroyed for things that maybe they shouldn't be destroyed for and, and just the general destructive force of cancel culture and everything else. But, you know, you, you guys play by these rules and occasionally these rules are going to get you. So that's interesting. The Afghanistan thing, I, I need to know more. Um, sounds like a disaster. But as I said, I'm, I'm more interested in how the media plays it. Like if, pre- if Trump had been president during all of this, would, be, would the media be behaving exactly how it is? I just need some more info before I can comment more, more on that. Uh, the COVID stuff sounds a little bit messy, but I didn't quite get enough info on like, is it really worse? Like, and again, why is no hospital collapsed? Why did not one of our lovely homeless centers that we have here of these, you know, tents and buildings, these structures that homeless people build here, was there any massive outbreak in any of those? Like, why did not one city somewhere fail? Mass death, like none of that has happened. These are questions that I think you're allowed to ask. I don't want to get banned from YouTube the day I'm back, but these are questions to ask. And then, of course, the good news sounds like this Larry Elder thing could really be real. Like, how cool would that be? And then I get to call Shapiro and Knowles and be like, you guys bailed on Cali, but me and Larry Elder saved it. Like, maybe it could happen. So that's where a lot of my energy is going to be over the next little bit. Um, I do want to reiterate, like, just like an unbelievable, uh, heartfelt, and and authentic thank you to you guys for allowing me to do what I did for the last month. I am I'm ready to fight in a way that is is stronger and and better and more prepared than when I left. And that's the purpose of this thing. You know, when I this was my fifth August off the grid and when I did it five years ago, it was it was a lark. It was just like ah let me just do something interesting. And it's gotten more difficult each year as my profile is raised and I have more businesses and more responsibilities and things like that. And that's even just more reason to do it. But I really, I was able over the last month to just like get my shit in order. You know, I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson interviews, by the way, and I... You know, I, you know, we've all we've all got stuff that we're dealing with, whether it's within our families or or our own stuff, our own dragon that we have to face down. And I really did a lot of work on that front. And I am completely and 100 percent ready to be back in this fight with you guys. I think for me, you know, the, the challenge over the next couple of days will be how quickly do I get back into this thing? You know, it's not creating videos that's the headache. It's not uh, communicating with my locals community, which is an absolute true joy. I mean, the people that really uh, fuel this operation and that I get to really exchange ideas with and that I respond to and everything else. It's not that. It seems like Twitter is the one where most of the evil exists. And I want to really reevaluate my my behavior with Twitter, um, because that seems to be where the, this endless hostile thought 
war is mostly taking place. Yeah, it takes place in the YouTube comment section and it takes place on Facebook and all the rest of it. But Twitter seems to be like a particular perverse evil. But I really am going to take some of the things that I practiced over this last month. Again, no phone in the bedroom. Uh, Stop watching the news at a certain time at night. Um, Get out there and be friendly when you're at the the grocery store or wherever else. Oh, one policy that David and I did uh, institute over the last couple of weeks since we've been back is when we're when we're walking Clyde, I will say hello and smile and say, how you doing to every single neighbor that is not wearing a mask. But I've decided I'm not saying hello to the mask people anymore. And the reason for that is what I've realized over the last couple of weeks is that the mask people are not friendly as a general rule. And of course, there's always exceptions to the rule. But the mask people, I would say hi to, and they just ignore you. They, they're actually using it as an excuse to never be human anymore. And what I have found is the non-mask people tend to be friendlier and nicer and happier. So I, that's what I mean about we're going to, we're just going to further split into two worlds. And I, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay because the world that I'm going to help build and that I'm going to talk about and that you guys are going to be part of is going to be a world that's based on the ideas that we're always talking about here, right? Like it's going to be based on the ideas of individual choice and freedom. And at locals, like I'm never going to, as long as I'm part of locals, like I'm never going to say you have to have a vaccine to work here. It's none of my business. You know what I mean? Like we're going to just build new things and let the other people build the things that will be based on critical race theory. Let them do diversity and inclusion hirings and all those things. And, and I think that's what will be the split of America. And maybe it feels, it feels a little like a civil war. It's not, it's not fun to talk about. But at this point, this gets me back to, to the beginning. I just don't see a way around it. But that doesn't mean it has to be horrible. I don't want people fighting in the streets. And, and for those of us that are, that are more freedom-focused, it's trickier for us because we can build something good and they're going to still all want a piece of it, right? Where we don't really want, like, they can go build your institutions, build your crappy colleges and your stupid businesses built on diversity and build bad products and have the Emmys now and have all of that stuff. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't care about that stuff. But they're going to still want our stuff, right? Because we're going to build better products and we're going to build better businesses. So I'm going to really, guys, over, over the next however long it is, uh, if there's any way that I can help anyone that's, that's building anything cool, whether it's a business or a product or a technology, like I want to help promote people. I want to hear about the people that are, are fighting for the right things. You know, I, I was in Malibu a couple days ago. And uh, I met this young kid at a, at a store who said he was a big fan and he found Jordan Peterson through me. And he said to me that, that we saved his life. And we talked to him for a little bit and it's like, I'm going to guess that Jordan probably saved his life more than I did. But if, if my job there was only that I introduced him to Jordan Peterson, this kid had his life in order. He, he was going to Pepperdine. He was, he was doing well. Um, and it's like, we can build something better together, but we got to do it together, not because we're guilted into being together, um, but because we want to save whatever whatever is left of the good America. I want to fight for, for saving it. I also want to just not go crazy in the process. And and I hope that if, if you have been interested in anything I said here for the last two hours or just why I took part in this, you know, everyone's so amazed that I do this thing. It's like, let's rethink our relationship with this thing before they just come to get us because it is a digital war versus the versus us right now. There's a digital world and the real world. I'm sitting in a room 
wearing some clothes, and this is going out through those digital pipes, and we gotta figure out how to manage what the future is gonna be. Are we just gonna be people who wear masks and never live, leave our houses and fight with people online all the time? Or are we gonna be people who dare to get out there and dare to build new things and interact with other people and take some of the lessons that our parents and grandparents and forefathers before them learned about, about freedom and the human experience and all that stuff. So I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm super psyched about the Larry Elder part of this. Like maybe this thing can happen. Maybe this thing, like, wouldn't it be, it's, you gotta dream, right? Like that's Jordan Peterson, like you gotta like look at that star, you know, and go, that's the thing in the distance. So maybe we could do this. And then, and then it's like, man, if we fixed Cali and show them, that, show them no, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Maybe we can fix the rest of this thing. So uh, I have a bit of a crazy day today. I haven't even looked at Twitter yet. I've started to just check a couple uh, emails right before some work-related stuff, but I'm gonna try to ease back into everything. I will be back normal time uh, tomorrow, of course, at 11 a.m. We'll, we'll do a Q&A just to get, I know people are just gonna wanna talk mostly about off-the-grid stuff. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, oh, and tonight, I'm on Tucker Carlson. Tonight, I haven't been on in, in a while, but I know Tucker was interested in the off-the-grid situation, wanted to catch me up on a couple things. Uh, I don't know the exact hit time for that, but Tucker is on at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern um, and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so I hope you'll tune in. And, and again, guys, I just, I really, I thank you. Like, I'm, I'm ready to fight with you. So you have afforded me, if you watch this, and, and especially if you're in the Locals community, uh, you've afforded me an incredible opportunity so that we can do this thing together. And uh, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. And I'll see you tomorrow.